Welcome to the Review Me Named podcast. This evening on the show, because we're recording this one at night, guys, we're going to be talking about the uh, news from the week. We're going to be talking about uh, the challenge accepted challenge from a few weeks back with Rachel, Darren, Sam to listen to some modern boy bands. And we're going to be playing a little game of World's Worst. So with me on the show tonight, we have Rachel. Hi. Sam. Hello. Alex. Welcome to Review to be Named at Night. And Chris. Hey, guys. So now that we've got all of that awkwardness out of the way, why don't we talk about some of the big stories this week? Um, we're going to start off by talking about Donald Glover is developing an NBC sitcom that is supposedly loosely based on his life. Uh, details on this are pretty sparse so far. We don't know how loosely it's based on his life and also what parts of its life it's going to incorporate. So I'm hoping it's about rapper slash actor slash awesome guy Donald Glover just being Donald Glover. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I hope it takes place mostly during the Predator 2 phase of his career. I want to know what the fuck happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's going to be the first season's arc. I think that's that's uh, pretty guaranteed. Who's going to play Gary Busey? <laughs> Gary, Gary Busey. Busey. <laughs> yeah. The only person <laughs> in the universe who can play Gary Busey. <laughs> well, the first thing I think about when I hear this is, well, community's over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... Yeah. Uh, but also, I think if it's going to be a show, I'm not sure if it's going to be about... I'm kind of my first thought was that it would be about his childhood because from what I understand about his uh like from his stand-up comedy is that I think his parents like took in like like a bunch of foster kids and like he grew up with them and kind of you know he was like his parents kids biological kids but they also had foster kids or something. So that I mean that kind of sounds like something that would be a premise of a sitcom. Though I would also enjoy watching uh Watching, you know, him just be a rapper slash sketch comedian slash comedic actor. Yeah, either way, as long as he's involved in, like, the writing of it more than just, like, oh, this is an idea I have and let's make it a show, I think it'll be worthwhile because he's, you know, a great writer, sketch comedy, and used to write on 30 Rock and um, hasn't written for Community, which I always thought was weird. But he's a great writer, and I hope he's involved in the writing of the show as well. I think one of the writers from 30 Rock is coming over with him for this. Like, he's, they're developing it together. I forget which one, but uh, it's one of his old buddies from 30 Rock he's working on this with. Well, that's good. Rachel, any thoughts on Donald Glover's foray into new sitcom territory? I mean, mostly I just, I, I share the woes of, of Sam in that it, it makes me sad to think that this is probably the end of Community. Um, well, to be to be fair, Community was going to end either way, like for a while now, considering it's Friday nights at eight thirty with a new creative team, uh, and they only picked up thirteen episodes. So I haven't had high hopes for Community lasting after those thirteen for a while. I think. I mean, this is basically this would be if this got developed for next season, it would be like the cornerstone of NBC's comedy block. I mean, that's that's ambitious. I'd like that to be the case. <laughs> But I mean, if Community's gone and The Office is gone, Parks and Rec probably has like a season left, max. And like, what's the deal with Thirty Rock? Has anything official been announced? On oh, that? well, Thirty yeah. Rock's ending. This is yeah, yeah, yeah that exactly. was, this was the, last the last season of that. So everything, so everything so, will be gone. And well, they're 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 going to start from scratch. And I mean, they've talked about they want to go more broad. And I don't know. Meaning, you know, shitty. I think they want to go. Uh, well, they want they want what they want is they want more people to watch. Um, and they I want think, the two I, and a half men audience. 
Well, I think they want a big audience. They want that Matthew Perry is, magic. Is what they want. Um, but I, I mean, I think I think Donald Glover is someone who could have like major crossover appeal, and he and you know, the problem is if it's like Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock's a show that's been on for I don't know what is it six this will be years now. Seven, but yeah. it's thirty seven years, so like they don't want it to be Thirty Rock though, because Thirty Rock never really had good numbers. But I think I think Donald Glover is talented enough, and I think he can reach a wide audience. He's like super likable guy, incredibly talented. You know, I think he has what it takes. Maybe depending on how NBC markets it to reach a wide audience. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. Uh, he's an immensely talented and really funny, and clearly has multiple talents. So if they build the show in the right way, and they you know they involve him in the right way into the right amount, I have high hopes for it. Any? Yeah, I would. I would watch that show. I, I I've loved Donald Glover ever since um, the uh, Derek comedy sketches, and um, so, something that it. I'm not sure if uh, all of our viewers have checked this out, but uh, Mystery Team, uh, which is the Derek comedy feature length movie, it's on Netflix right now. Check it out if you got some free very time. Very funny. funny. Um, I definitely recommend Extremely it. Funny. So if that's any indication of the kind of show we could get from Donald Glover, uh, I. I, I will definitely mourn community's loss if that's what this means, but it'll be nice to know that Donald Glover is still on television. My interest in this show plummeted when I realized Donald Glover is not Danny Glover. So, Did you just realize that we weren't talking about D- Danny Glover? When you started talking about his stand-up, I kind of looked him up on IMDb. <laughs> and... <laughs> okay. Oh. This is the amount of press work that usually gets in their name we actually most of the time have no idea what we're talking about or who anyone is, and we just sort of wing it. Danny, Danny Glover it, makes so much more sense now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, was was Donald Glover in a Predator movie at a near I anyway. was just going to let him go. I Probably would have been let, a good subtle joke Donald if I didn't Glover bring like it up. I was a child in some Predator movie, and uh, yeah, I haven't I seen any of the Predator sequels, I thought, so I bought it. I thought maybe they, they'd made another Predator movie, and like Donald Glover was in it, and just like no one had heard I would see a movie where yeah, like, Donald Glover Glover was, Grace the was in a Predator movie. It's possible. Exactly. It's yeah, possible. Everything's possible. That was better than Danny Glover's Predator movie also, so... Yeah, no, like I said, I think I would watch a movie where Donald Glover played the Predator. Like, I would be in on that. Um, so any other thoughts on this before we move on to, to the next bigger news story this week? Hooray for Donald Glover. Boo, that community will surely be canceled. <laughs> I think that wraps it up nicely in a bow. Um, so this is another story that sort of got the geek appeal that I imagine all of us and all of our listeners have, and maybe Alex will actually know the people we're talking about this time. We'll see. Um, Jonathan Banks, <laughs> no uh, a.k.a. Mike from Breaking Bad, it has been announced that he's, he's going to play Ben's father on an episode of Parks and Rec. Um, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Alex, do you know who we're talking about? Uh, yes, yes. He's the bald guy from Breaking yeah, Bad. Yeah, he's one of the bald guys from Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? I am not a big Parks and Rec fan, but I think it's awesome that he's being brought into other shows. I want to see him more doing, if not one-offs in a bunch of TV shows that I would like to watch, then give him his own show. I don't care if it's about Mike. I just give him his own show. I will watch that man churn butter. I think they should make a show about Mike, but it takes place after he died, so it's just like a rotting corpse. <laughs> I think they should make a show where he's a ghost. I'd still watch man. that. I would totally watch that show. He's like um, quant- It's like Quantum Leap with Mike. 
and some guy. And yes, just, I would watch a show great. called Quantum, Quantum Leap, Leap with, with Mike. Mike. <laughs> um, I'm going to backtrack for a minute. When you say you're not a big fan of Parks and Rec, Alex, do you mean you don't like the show or do you mean you don't watch the show? I've never okay, watched Okay, well, it. that I can accept. I was going to have to take umbrage with the idea that you weren't a did fan. Did I say I was in the big yeah. fan? Oh, I didn't mean it like I, that. Yeah, I, wanted to, I wanted to clarify because we might have had to, <laughs> to pause the news roundup for a, a quick brawl. Um, you should definitely watch it. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but so let's see. Chris, what do you think about uh, Mike getting some more uh, work and work on a show that we love, those of us who watch it? Well, well-deserved and continuing a trend of great cameos on Parks and Rec. Um, I, 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 for one, would actually like to see Bradley Whitford come back too, but I'm very happy to see um, – I, to see Mike getting around to other shows. And Just to throw actually, it out there, uh, the guy's name is actually Jonathan Banks. So Jonathan unless Banks. we, if we don't want to keep calling him Mike throughout the whole thing, <laughs> well, I, actually, I introduced no, the segment yeah, no. by saying that, but apparently you also don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Alex, that. Alex comes in, doesn't know who we're talking about, doesn't listen to what we're saying. Just, <laughs> when someone says his name, he decides nope. to just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> It's just luck that I'm talking about what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fortunate that we have similar enough interests that you tend to sound off on whatever we're talking about <laughs> in any given week. So about Mike. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts, Chris? Looking forward to All it. All right. That's, yeah, that sounds good. Um, Rachel, what are you thinking? Well, I, um, I don't watch Breaking Bad, um, but oh. I'm... I know it's on the list, um, but I'm pretty excited about the idea of exploring more of the Ben character because I just adore Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah. Who I was gonna say I think that's Scott. a universal feeling. <laughs> like he's just amazing. Um, Adam Scott, listener of the show, I'm sure. So now you know that we all adore you, and you should you should come on the podcast sometime and hang out with us. <laughs> open invitation. Yeah. Open invitation extended to Adam Scott. This is actually the very first. Review being podcast open invitation, but Adam Scott, you're always welcome here. Sam, any thoughts on all of this? Um, well, I'd like to think of myself as one of Parks and Rec's greatest champions. Uh, it is it is truly one of my favorite shows. Uh, it's it's always a battle between this and Louie for my favorite comedy on TV. And since Louie, you can debate how much of a comedy it actually is. I often give Parks and Rec the edge for best comedy on television. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. And what I really like about this is that uh, Mike Schur has said in interviews how big he and the writing staff of Parks and Rec, how big fans they are of uh, Breaking Bad and Jonathan Banks' work on the show. And he said basically everyone was like losing their minds that they were able to get Jonathan Banks to do this. And that writers were sneaking onto the set, like finding excuses to just go like watch Jonathan Banks work. So yeah. I like that Jonathan Banks fans are writing for Jonathan and Banks. And I remember reading actually, like when they were talking about uh, casting the role of Ben's father, they said, uh, we'd like to get Jonathan Banks. Like we, like that's the, that's the character we're thinking about. And they actually managed to get him to say yes. And so it was like, it was the dream. So it seems like the character was conceived from the beginning for Jonathan Banks. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and anything to give, like, Jonathan Banks, like, get him more work. He's got to be working all the time now. He's yeah, too he's, great. I mean, so, he took a, a role that was by all, by all means probably a very small character to begin with, and he just played the hell out of it to the point where he became one of the biggest characters in the show, and every time Mike was on screen, I was interested in what he was doing, and he was just, it was a phenomenal performance. He was funny. He was dramatic. He was, he could deliver the monologues. It was just, it was great. Uh, I want to see this man working more. <laughs> 
And the idea of uh, Jonathan Banks and Nick Offerman in the same room, that just gets me excited just thinking about it. I I can't I can only imagine the possibilities there. <laughs> Chris Chris is erect right now. He's fully erect. <laughs> Thank you for the subtext, Sam. Yeah, and seeing as he always records the podcast uh, with an open bathrobe on <laughs> if then I can actually Fortunately, fortunately we don't have a <laughs> video calling when we're recording the podcast, so none of us have to actually witness this, but it is a recurring habit. Someday we're going to talk about that, but for, for the moment, I think... I still send you guys the pics, so <laughs> yeah. suffer anyways. 73 <laughs> no, still no one photos asks for them. every week. <laughs> that can be the album t- cover for this week. <laughs> we would not do that to our uh, loyal <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Good old, good old Chris Goatsy Trice. <laughs> oh, I think this is going to be our most commented on podcast ever. With a, I hope a, so. a resounding one comment. <laughs> um, of, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. <laughs> That's funny, Alex, because it implies you were ever listening to this, including while recording it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap that up in a nice grotesque bow and move on to the next story mm-hmm. um snl has made the executive decision to actually cast a black man as barack obama with jay farrow who was hired on the show uh what i think it just last season or maybe two seasons ago now i haven't watched the show regularly in a while but he has a killer obama impression and it was always kind of strange to me that he wasn't playing obama so now he is um rach what do you think about this I think it's amazing. I don't know. I don't watch SNL. When was the last time I even watched SNL? Who watches SNL anymore? I was going to say, Sam, you watch SNL, right? Uh, Yes, but I missed last night's episode. But I have seen Jay Farrow's Obama impression. And it is superior to Fred Armisen. And this is actually something that uh, television critics Dan Feinberg and Alan Sethemol brought up on their podcasts like last year when Farrow was not being utilized as Obama. Basically, it seems that Armisen is God on the SNL set. And because he was there when like he, you know, he was the first one to get to the Obama role that I think they were probably apprehensive to take away that role from not just him because he had it before, but because he's, I think so respected uh, among the writers and cast and Lauren Michaels. Um, I do think that Jay Farrow has the superior impression. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I mean, I guess Fred Armisen is doing kind of blackface, uh, kind of to, to do Obama, but let's not forget. I mean, Obama's only half black. Well, so Jay Farrell is blackface. He's doing precisely. Yeah, he's doing half black. I wonder if Jay Farrell will be put in half blackface himself. If they'll like, they'll, uh, pale him up for the role. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think it's something that I, I think it's the right move. I think they were kind of, they were kind of leaning with the veteran. They were kind of going with seniority. Um, but to be fair, I, I haven't watched the episode yet from Saturday. I got to check out NBC.com because my DVR fucked up because it's a piece of shit. I will not. I will not mention the company that makes it because because they're listeners know. of the show. Yeah, they'll hear it. They'll listen and they'll charge me more <laughs> than they already fucking do. Um, but yeah, I think this is good. I, I think the show is is you know starting to transition. I mean, guys, you know, uh, I guess Sudeikis Sudeikis is gone, right? Uh, Sudeikis is gone. Uh, I heard Sudeikis Wiggs. is coming back. 
Kristen Wiig is gone. Andy Samberg is gone. I mean, I think it's kind of like a big transition for the show now. And I think it kind of makes sense that they're going to go with a new Obama, especially, you know, if he gets reelected. Now, for people who did watch last night, did they have Mitt Romney on and who played Mitt Romney? That's what I was going to ask. Because Sudeikis well, is you're gone. My, you're my resident uh, Saturday Night Live viewer. I haven't watched the show regularly in probably five years. I mean, it's been a long time. I think I think when Tina Fey left the show was the last time I regularly watched SNL. So I definitely didn't watch last night. Alex or Chris, did you guys watch? Yeah. Haven't been a fan for a long, long well, time now. You know, SNL gets a bad rap, but I got to say, like, you know, sometimes it could be really good. Um, well, I mean, every sketch comedy is going hit and miss. And I think I think SNL was was bigger miss than hit for a while. And that's probably not true anymore, but I just never went back. I mean, they have, you know, they still have some, like, fin- I mean, while Kristen Wiig was, like, you know, a superstar, I think, of that show, um, I think Bill Hader is, you know, you can put him on par with any of, like, the big-time recent, you know... Any of those 90s people that everyone loves, cast members, I think Bill Hader is up there with them. Oh, Hader's uh, incredible. I, I completely th- agree. He's he's an incredible talent. I mean, just, he he's, you know, he's beyond impressionist. He's a great comedic performer. Um, His Stefan character is so one note, one joke, and so hysterical every single time I've seen it done. It's incredible. Like, Yeah, and it, that's that's him and John Mulaney. Um and I mean, you know, I think SNL still has, you know, has what it takes to put out good episodes. I think part of the problem is, is sometimes they've been getting guests that are kind of shitty and then they kind of have to lowball sketches or they, you know, you want to, you want to have people on the show who can do really interesting stuff or slightly more challenging comedic work than someone like, you know, January Jones or I don't know, some shitty, you know, teen idol guests that is only on there because, I don't know, it'll get 10 more viewers from Twitter. Kristen Stewart? Yeah. And- I don't think Kristen Stewart is hosted, but Kristen Stewart is without emotion. <laughs> she couldn't do comedy. Um, and, and this new crowdsourcing idea, I guess this is another story from the week, though it's kind of not on our to-do list, but this new idea that SNL is going to crowdsource Facebook and Twitter to figure out who is going to host and do the music for them is really disconcerting to me. I mean, maybe some great things will come out of it, but I, I imagine mostly terrible, terrible things will come out of it. So Rick Astley up for SNL music guest. There you go. <laughs> well, I think I think like you said, Jordan, it can go one of two ways. You know, I think they can make some really interesting choices and get people on there who would have never had a shot to get on, who might be really good ideas, and they can also have guys or ladies who uh, come on who are just you know fanboys or fangirls, kind of raid uh the twitter or facebook page of snl and get you know someone terrible on the show like one direction maybe <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit um before before we do that let me say sam if you can since you watch snl keep us posted and if it's uh if it's becoming like a, shaving up to be a worthwhile season we'll check in on it on the podcast later in the year well you know i i haven't watched this week's yet i think it's on nbc.com to watch the whole episode so i'm gonna do that at some point either tonight or it's on tomorrow. hulu is it on Hulu? Mm-hmm. Regular Hulu, not pay Hulu. Regular Hulu. I'm um, I've got the opening sketch on mute right now. It looks like Sudeikis came back to do Romney. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I would actually, I would recommend that everybody watches because even when SNL is at its best, SNL is always has always kind of been 
relevant and important in pop culture during a presidential That's election. True. I mean, especially especially in the year of the presidential election. So I think this is really the time, and to see what they do if they keep bringing back Sudeikis to do Romney, and I think it would be interesting to see how Pharaoh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't base Pharaoh just on his first episode with Obama, but see how he does, you know, over the you know next few weeks. All right. Well, I'm, I, I'll um, commit to watching at least uh, through the election. Is anyone else opposed to watching some SNL for the through the election? No, let's do it. I'll watch the sketches with the president. I'm not going to watch entire episodes of SNL. All right. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I we don't. I'm S- not saying no one has to like has to watch. I'm just saying it's 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 <laughs> it's as relevant now as it's going to be, you know, in the next four years. Just because I think every yeah, old, no, this like, is the goal. Every time the election comes around, right. um, yeah, no. I, why don't we? Those of you who are interested, or Alex, at least watch the presidential sketches and let's let's check back <laughs> in around the time of the election, um, see how the season's been going, and talk talk about SNL. So if you are listening now, cool. listen. Let's put that uh, on the back Two months worth of podcasts from now, and uh, we'll probably talk about that. Um, with that, why don't we move on and discuss uh, a story that is close to my own heart um, for one reason and close to Rachel's heart for another. Uh, Adele has been announced to be doing the new Bond theme for Skyfall. Uh, the song is going to be called Skyfall and will presumably be played over, you know, scantily clad women doing ridiculous things, uh, as most Bond things are. Scantily clad? They're not clad with anything, usually. <laughs> I mean, I... No, sometimes, if they're, they're greatest, actual women, they're clad in something, but often they're, like, truck decal oh, women. My, well, my greatest memories are seeing uh, nipples in uh, profile in the Your, gr- your greatest <laughs> memories. The best my, moments of Sam's life are seeing nipples <laughs> in Bond prequel uh, or pre-credit sequences. Jordan's deathbed, it'll when be you the were, birth you, of his child. Jordan, don't then, tell me when you were 14 years old and you saw Live and Let Die, and there was a nipple in uh, a shadow of a nipple. To be fair, I was actually 10 when the I saw The thought of a nipple. It's when I first did my Bond marathon. Um, but, yes, that was, that was quite nice. Um, though I don't know if it's my fondest memory. Anyway, I'm very excited for Skyfall. I like Adele. I think she's a good pick to do a Bond theme. Um, like I said, because Rachel is, you know, the huge Adele fan on staff. Love Why don't her. we start with you? Love, what do you think love, of this, Rachel? I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really interested to see, um, because she's been a little out of of practice, right? So I think that it's an amazing, amazing way for her to come back post-baby, because she's like 27 months pregnant or something. And Yeah, that's really dangerous. I think it'll be great. <laughs> I think it'll be great. I loved I loved the last Bond song, um, the one with Jack White and Alicia Keys. I really? thought it was great. I did. I did. Okay. So full disclosure here, I have not seen anywhere close to all of the Bond movies. I've seen only a handful of them. So Daniel Craig is the Bond that I know best. And I um I've enjoyed the songs and the movies in this movement of Bond. I think that they're interesting. I don't know why you didn't like the Jack White one. Um, Full disclosure, I, I, uh, I have not only seen every Bond movie, I own the CD, uh, which includes every Bond theme song, and I am actually planning to do a Bond marathon with several of my friends here in Ann Arbor, uh, prefacing Skyfall. So, Well, Jordan, Jordan, number one, we all knew that already because you're a giant nerd. Number two, we all know that you don't have any friends in Ann Arbor, so you can stop oh, right now. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, that's not true. But also, the only Bond theme song I do not own is the one from Quan Solace because I hated it. You hated the song? You I hated, hated the song. The movie. the movie is middling. Um, 
Which is fine. I will take a middling Bond movie any day of the week and enjoy it. I don't remember the song um, at all. I don't remember, Do remember the movie. I don't remember the movie really? at all. Yeah. Somebody, like was, a... somebody was covered in oil, and I think her I name think was, was a lot of sand. I'm pretty sure last week on the show we talked about how her name was Strawberry Fields, actually, and you were all surprised. Yeah, that that stuck with me since then. I can't, I can't. <laughs> Strawberry. Fields. It was a clever joke that they didn't really play off in the movie because they never called, you know, they never said her first name was Strawberry. So I only knew it because I watched the credits. Because I'm a giant nerd. I like that. I, I like that uh, they're going with an English uh, performer for this, because now instead of having, like, Garbage or uh, Alicia Keys and Jack White or Madonna do it, we got an actual English person uh, to do the Bond song, which I think is cool. And I like Adele, like everybody. Yeah, I seems. think, uh, Alex, are you anti-Adele? Because you're the one who hasn't sounded off yet. No, I just don't really listen to her at all. I think oh, she'll do a God, fine job. <laughs> Are, would you say you're a Adele? <laughs> I'm an Adele. Yeah, <laughs> I like the way that played out. Um, <laughs> I actually, uh, this is obviously getting way ahead of ourselves, but I would like to see Adele take on a bit of a Shirley Bassey role, where maybe she'll do a few songs over the next several years because she's got the same sort of powerful voice, and I think she would be. I think she's perfect for uh, a Bond theme song, and maybe even several. So I'd like to see that. Yeah, she does have that kind of presence, like a lot of her music. I, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about before it was rumored, but once I heard the rumor, I was like, oh, that randomly makes a lot of sense. I can see that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, that's that's fantastic. I think we're all excited about this, and um, certainly I know I'm excited about Skyfall. So hopefully, it will be as awesome as I as I am uh, dreaming it is. I have high hopes for it. I think it'll be actually pretty good. I, I mean, I, if it doesn't be Quantum of Solace, I'll be surprised. So uh, there's that at least. Ooh, it has to. <laughs> um, moving on now, there's a new Google feature that uh, will allow you to plug in Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. So, uh, Alex, you wanted to talk about that for a minute? I can't believe we're talking about this. If you, <laughs> if you put in a celebrity name and then put bacon number and Google that, right at the top of the screen, it'll have blank blanks, bacon number is blank. And in case anyone ever wants to know what celebrities are, how far away from Kevin Bacon, there you go. Shortcut. <laughs> if you ever playing that game, this you could just awesome. cheat. Rachel, who did you just Kevin Bacon? Well, because we were talking about Bond, I did Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig's bacon number is two. Everyone's bacon number is two. <laughs> That's weird. Huh, not James McAvoy. I, Orson Welles is two degrees from Kevin Bacon. James McAvoy <laughs> is one degree. They were, yeah. So that's not zero degrees because they were in first class together, X-Men first class. So the exactly. minimum is one degree. One degree. I wasn't... I, if you're zero degrees False. from Kevin Bacon, I think that it's... means you're Kevin Bacon. Yes, no, I actually, I Kevin Bacon, I Kevin Bacon's, Kevin Bacon's, Kevin Bacon number. And he is zero degrees. He is actually right, zero so, degrees. So the Kelvin that. scale for, for the bacon is Kevin Bacon. Precisely. I mean, that was, for any of you who are like chemistry people, I think that was wildly inaccurate science, but that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Um, no, I just wanted to give that a brief shout-out for you, Alex. Uh, and the last thing we want to talk about Thanks. to wrap up the news roundup for the week uh, is the Toronto International Film Festival, which was last week. Um, I know I was following that from afar, uh, reading some of the movies that were coming out and getting excited about it. Uh, what did you guys think? Chris, what did you think about it? Were you following it? Uh, I was not following it. I looked at this uh, the list of the winners and the runners-up. Um, basically just 
reminded me of films I'm excited to see coming out soon. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about than that. Rachel? I am particularly excited about um, what Maisie knew, which is the Alexander Skarsgård movie coming out of the, the festival. Um, they filmed this in New York City last summer, and the photos that were coming off set with Alexander Skarsgård and this adorable little seven-year-old um, just made my heart and my ovaries melt every time. So like ovaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, please see. This is the most disgusting podcast we've ever done. <laughs> All of the disgusting, disgusting crap that you guys talk about, and it's hey, no ovaries are fine. <laughs> it's melting ovaries we have a problem with. Let's be clear. Okay, those aren't functional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God! Uh, no, and he was—he was so cute. He um, an interview that he did from the on the on the red carpet when the film was premiering at the festival. Was he'd been filming around the clock trying to finish his project that he was working on so that he could get there for the festival because the idea of not being there for the premiere with this little girl like made him really sad. So I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that the movie is going to be fantastic, and I just love me some Skarsgård. So that was what I was watching coming out of that. I uh, so I was following the AV Club's coverage of the festival because Noel Murray and Scott Tobias are both there. And listeners, if you don't read the AV Club, you completely should. Um, and I, I I keep a checklist, especially this year, of movies that I need to see. And that was uh, it was murder to my checklist. I added like I think fifteen movies that I now want to check out. So that's great. I mean, if I was going to mention one as the resident giant Whedon geek around here, Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing is making me very excited, especially because you have uh, oh, yes. You have Fred and Wesley's uh, romantic reunion. So if I had to pick one, though there are, like I said, probably 20 movies that I'm really excited about coming out of the festival, I think that is the one that is making me geek out the most right now because it's just it's a bunch of people I love doing my favorite of Shakespeare's comedies, so I'm going to be excited about it. Is it melting your ovaries? Um, if I had ovaries uh, and they were not pickled, then they'd probably melt. Jordan has picked up <laughs> <laughs> If you take away nothing else, desk. if you take away nothing else from this podcast, let yeah. it be that Jordan has pickled ovaries. In my uh, in my pickled ovaries cabinet, they've all been donated though. I'm not like a serial killer. Yeah, oh, that's no. good. The, the joke there being that it's much more terrifying that people are donating their ovaries to me. But thanks for not being at all scared by that, Alex. No, no. You're having a, you're having a banner cool. night there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyone have any last thoughts on TIFF before we uh, go ahead and close down the news roundup for the week I have no thoughts on TIFF alright uh, with that we're going to go ahead and close down the news roundup for the week as always we will be tabulating throughout the show and at the end of the show we will announce the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for best performance in the week for now however we're going to turn things over to Chris and we're going to play a little <laughs> bit of a game Chris Rachel's dead <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys I hate okay. all of you. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a game we have not played before. Uh, the game is called World's Worst, and the way it's going to work is I'm going to throw out a profession, and these guys are going to come back to me with a character from pop culture. It can be from movies, television, video games, comic books, literature, what have you. Uh, that would be the absolute worst person ever to fulfill this role or do this job. Uh, so let's start off 
with um all right so since we're getting in the thick of political season let's start things off with world's worst vice president okay vice president world's worst vice president vice president of which president Obama? Well, that's a good question um, yeah, that's a very important that's a great question. question. That is yeah. huge. Okay, let's say to President Obama. World's but President Tell Obama's world's worst vice president. <laughs> I was going to say Joe Biden, but uh, you made me wrong. My go-to is Hitler. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh characters, sweet Joe. Characters from pop culture. Hitler's been in a lot All of right, pop so culture. Let's... All right. Mm. All right, but I'll, I'll call like something just... Okay, uh, let's start with Sam. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character and what's eating Gilbert Drake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why? Uh, because he's slightly less uh, tactful than Joe Biden. <laughs> that was that was just the first one. That, uh the worst. Well, the the problem is, it's like, what what constitutes the worst vice president? The vice president doesn't even do anything. Who can make good or not good appearances? Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's character in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I, I think this is settled. I think, I think that was a very good answer. Absolutely. Um, who's next? <laughs> I'll go. I think that Forrest Gump would be a pretty bad okay, I'm seeing president. a pattern All right, we're gonna... here that I don't like. I, I see a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, just say Sue Sylvester's sister from I will not say that. I actually, I do have an answer, um, and since Sammy's called on me, I'm going to go ahead and say Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther franchise, and that's for two reasons. One, he is so bumbling that I'm sure it would cause all sorts of international incidents, and two, he's French, and uh, that would be terrible. So I think he'd be... God damn it, Jordan, you almost exactly stole my answer. Well, I'm pretty damn good. Does almost count? (laughs) I was going to say Mr. Bean. But Inspector Clouseau's better. Because he's ridiculous and British, but you suck. Well, technically, Peter Sellers is British. Clouseau was French, though. And let's not. <laughs> yeah, we're going by character. And let's not, not pretend that Steve Martin never played Inspector Clouseau. Let's just ignore that. I was going to say, what about Steve <laughs> Martin? Come on. What about Beyonce, guys? Did Beyonce play Inspector Clouseau? I thought it was worst vice president. I thought it Wasn't was Beyonce in one of the fucking. Pink yeah, but Panthers? she wasn't playing Clouseau. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she would be her character from the second Pink Panther movie would be the worst vice president. I changed my the answer to one. Beyonce and Pink Panther Two, starring Steve Martin. Uh, Sam is good at this game. Alex, what's your answer? I said Forrest Gump. I'm sticking with it. I think Forrest Gump would be good since the vice president. Most of the vice president's roles involve. And Forrest Gump is actually really, really lucky if you think about like all the things he did over the course of that movie. I haven't seen Forrest Gump, but his luck's got to run out. He's he's got the resume for it, actually. War hero, small business owner. Yeah. (laughs) Well, shit. I guess I lost. (laughs) He's he's more more intelligent than Sarah Palin. So he's (laughs) Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin was actually, like, in real life, a possibility for the role of vice president. So. Yeah, and I would, I would definitely prefer Forrest Gump. I'd prefer uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Gilbert Grape over, for, uh, over Sarah Palin, to be clear. I'd prefer any of these vice presidents <laughs> over. 
Even Beyonce from the Pink Panther 2? Absolutely. Or what? Was it Queen Latifah? No, I'm pretty sure. Beyonce was in the third Austin Powers movie, but I'm pretty sure she was also in Pink Panther 2. Though I didn't see either of the Steve Martin Pink Panthers because, come on. Beyonce Beyonce was in the Pink Panther 1. What was the name of her character? No. Um, Just a second. Uh, she is. She plays pop star Zanya with an X, like X A N I. Like Zanya on the top. Uh, yes. Um, I don't know. Something stupid happened. All right, let's uh, let's forget Either this way. ever happened. <laughs> All right, Chris. Next. All right, let's can do we the next can one. we reach a? Is there any chance of us reaching a consensus on who is the world? I think Beyonce is the clear winner. Beyonce. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and All throw right. my lot in with Beyonce from Pink Panther as well. Yeah, Beyonce gets my vote. Okay, fair enough. Beyonce from Pink Panther is the world's worst vice president. So bad that we can't even remember her character's name. Her name is Zanya. Zanya. I see you told me two seconds ago. When you say that, I just think I'm on top and now I'm back on Bond. She'd be a good vice president. (laughs) Yeah, she would just strangle all of our enemies with her thighs. Yeah, strong thighs is important. Just ask Joe Biden. (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> moving on all right so next let's one, let's one. close this out with one more round of this and for this one let's do uh world's worst matchmaker so world's worst professional Ooh. matchmaker Ooh. Hmm. this is, yeah, this is a hard one. jesus christ um Oh, okay. I know. I know. From what I have seen of the show, any woman in Sex and the City, because they are all horrible human beings, and they would probably pair me up with another horrible human being. So I'm going with anyone from Sex and the City. Anyone from Sex and the City. Okay. Galactus. Because he Galactus? just ends, he just end up eating them anyways. <laughs> Galactus Sam is a is a Marvel villain who uh, devours planets. Oh well, I think he would be a good matchmaker. I think this is the sleeper hit pitch to be made to Marvel. Some Galactus this year. matchmaker. Galactus I would read matchmaker. that if Marvel relaunch included a Galactus matchmaker book. I would read that. I would give that book a year. You will enjoy miniature golf, or I will consume your planet. <laughs> All right, so we have Galactus against anybody from Sex and the City. Um, this right. is this is tough, and and Alex cut, sort of stole the idea that I was going with. But I'm going to go with the Bride from Kill Bill um, for similar reasons. Uh, I imagine like you put her in a room with most people, and there's just going to be a lot of bloodshed. Um, well, don't well, you she's think she... doing she's doing the matchmaking. She's not doing the dating. She'd probably be the world's worst like blind date. Actually, I think she'd well, be. A don't fun you think she date. would be a good matchmaker? Because she like you know she would know like. Don't don't date or marry a guy who has like weird connections to mobsters and cowboys, samurai swords and cowboys. All right, all right, all right, all right. You're She'd right. be like good can at I like cautioning you away or am from I stuck bad with people. the losing answer now. I think you lost. I think Galactus wins. Okay, well, Rachel hasn't even answered yet, so Rachel, you can top <laughs> Galactus. Well, I, mean, Galactus. I, don't, I don't know if this will top Galactus, but. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say James Bond because he's just gonna fuck all the women himself. No, but he would be—he would be a, a answer, great dude. wingman. You'd just probably end up uh, with his sloppy seconds. <laughs> well, the, the question was worst matchmaker. Matchmaker. 
I don't and doubt that Baker, he'd be a great wingman. I think he'd be a shit wing, uh, a shit. Match but he's got the world's I, greatest. Also, Matchmaker seems to imply that like you, it would match you up with someone you would eventually marry. And James Bond is the king of just fucking and leaving behind whatever. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say again, know, he's got the world's greatest Rolodex. Like if he keeps the number of half the women he's banged in these movies, he's got he a great contact sheet. <laughs> He can Most find of them. them. Are dead. Well, no, no. Yeah, they all the first one he bangs in the movies they, are dead, and you know anyone he marries. Well, usually he'll bang two in a movie. One of them is evil. One of them is good. And <laughs> no, no. Usually there's like there's the so, first so one that dies, the match, and there's the second one who is you know uh, morally ambiguous and/or is his partner for the movie. Yeah, but you know he doesn't think about it. <laughs> He's not gonna put. He's not gonna put any kind of real consideration into who's going to work well for you. He doesn't know anything about these women's personalities or their characters. He's a wounded warrior, he's less so than the bride. I feel like the bride is definitely a better bond. matchmaker than James, or a worse matchmaker than James Bond. I don't know. I think the I think the bride has been through some shit, and she would she would see all the signs of someone who's like, this is not a good idea. You know, her entire her entire. James- James Bond keeps going back to horrible women. Like he keeps going back to you know yeah, your Zenia Anatops. And that's I think his, that the bride, the bride, you know, she she's gone through some shit, and also she just wanted to be happy, and it all got ripped to shreds. I think that she could appreciate other people's pursuit of happiness, whereas I agree. James Bond is just a bitter, jaded, terrible human being. Yeah, James Bond just wants you know pussy. You guys are. I mean, you're, that's you're what totally it comes down to. Underestimating James Bond's soul. He's a wounded warrior. Because his wife has died, and you know, uh, Vesper. Oh, Clinton please! Has died. Like the wife, the wife, like that is. I mean, like how often is that shit brought up? Is that even canon? Really? Well, I mean, I with mean, the reboot, it's confusing. But yes, his wife died in a canonical James Bond. But not movie. in the reboot. In the reboot, it's just like, come on, Daniel Craig, Dick, come and get it. Vesper Lynn died, and he was <laughs> sad about it for a whole other movie. He was sad about uh, his Bond girl dying for two movies, Sam. Oh, and and how mediocre was fucking quantum? Well, that's really beside the point. (laughs) Um, In any case, I think we can all agree Galactus would make the world's worst matchmaker. Yeah, this is a movie. (laughs) The universe's worst matchmaker at that point. Yeah. Uh, Is is Silver Surfer also involved in the matchmaking process, or is he just kind of like hanging out while Galactus does this? He just likes to watch. (laughs) I just Wikipedia'd Galactus. He has the world's dumbest hat. He he has the world's greatest hat, I think. It's better than the Pope's. Um. I think he'd have an amazing success rate, though. Like if you if you told like if he told people to get together, I would you say no? Like I would not say no to Galactus. You're right. Yeah, yeah, but that's not that's not the start of a healthy relationship. <laughs> if you're Beer. if you're threatened by someone who like eats universes or planets. You're bonding over shared hardship. Uh, that's true. That's very true. The hardship being your matchmaker threatening to eat your planet if you don't enjoy mini golf, or an Italian then you restaurant, become a celebrity. or like a, a walk on the beach. You know, each issue would be something different. I imagine <laughs> it would be it would be great if actually every time you made the mini golf, it would be such a satisfying formula. So repetitive, but so satisfying. every every month Galactus just makes two people mini golf, and uh, they have to like each other, or he eats Earth. Okay, so we're going to say Galactus for that round, 
And uh, yeah, I think this went well. So look forward to uh, future <laughs> installments of World's Worst in coming podcasts. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we're going to turn now to a feature we introduced several podcasts ago and uh, is coming back now. It's called Challenge Accepted, and it involves one of the members of the staff challenging another member of the staff to do something pop culture related uh, in a sort of dare. And last time, Rachel dared Sam to uh, experience some boy bands, uh, some modern era boy bands. So, Rachel, why don't you talk to us about that and then talk to Sam about what he thought of the music? Yes, well, uh, if you're not living in a cave or under a rock, you know that there has been a huge resurgence. And by huge, I mean there are two bands. Um, a huge resurgence of boy bands uh, this past summer, really. Um, and I figured that Sam Lindauer would appreciate himself a good boy band. So, Sam, I'm interested to hear uh, what you listened to, what the standout songs were for you, because I'm sure you've just been bopping around the streets of New York City listening to some One Direction and some uh, of The Wanted. Um, so what did you think of their, their albums, and who came out on top for you? All right, well, first of all, One Direction came in on top only because One Direction was the only one I listened to. Uh, <laughs> Sam, you did not. Sam, I, I, read, I, I read all three of the Fifty Shades of Grey series, and you couldn't listen to one boy yeah, band album. But but to be fair, it takes me it, it took me like four weeks to get around to listening to the One Direction <laughs> album. Well, you can read all three Fifty Shades of Grey book in, like, a night, so... Also, in Sam's defense, I couldn't remember what the second band you asked him to do was, and there's actually a recorded, um, like, record of this, and I didn't know, like, I still couldn't remember. That is, that is honestly the reason why I didn't listen to the other one, is because I didn't, I knew One Direction, and One Direction is clearly the superior band, just because I'd actually heard of it. Um, I guess The Wanted, I, I didn't write it down stupidly. Um, or re-listen to the podcast, which would have been a really simple answer. Or, you know, um, text me, Facebook message, uh, I prefer I prefer not to contact you ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I appreciate clear. that. Uh, um, but I did listen to One Direction. Um, and, you know, it's, it's easy for me to, like, rip on it just because, you know, this isn't my... This isn't, like, the type of music I like to listen to, and I know it's... At the end of the day, it's really marketed towards young girls. Um... You know, I'm going to give and them credit. And middle-aged women. And, and disturbing middle-aged women. Um, though to be fair, middle-aged women being in love with One Direction is actually is actually less creepy than 13-year-old girls being infatuated with One Direction. Because if One Direction, the cast members of One Direction, were to fuck a middle-aged woman, it would be completely legal. But if any member of One Direction fucked a 14-year-old girl... That is statutory Not rape. Not in England. So, oh well, I forgot they are they are UK. Um, are, are aren't they Irish? I have or no something? idea. They're I Scottish? didn't have to listen to them. They are yeah. Irish. You you guys are the worst. They they're they're mixed. There are some. Oh Irish God, they're girls. mixed. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're dirty mutts. <laughs> There's there's one Irish member of One Direction, Niall Horan. That is I bet he gets made fun of all the time. 19. That's like the equivalent <laughs> of Benedict Cumberbatch. Like I imagine that Niall is, is his name. Is his name actually Nigel? And like the G is silent or something? Or no, is it it's a... spelled N I A L L. Oh, that is fucking awful. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I got. I I, I will give them credit. Uh, uh, the single off of um, Up All Night. 
What Makes You Beautiful is a catchy song. And it, it is the one uh, song from One Direction that I actually was familiar with before uh, listening to the album. And and uh, that's just because that song is fucking ubiquitous and it's everywhere. And it's catchy. Um, something Something I wanted to know, Rachel, maybe you can clue me in on this. How much of the album did any of these guys write, actually? Oh, that I did, don't know. I don't actually know all that much about them. Um, other than that, they're awesome. No, I'm kidding. Uh, probably nothing. I mean, they're an X Factor band, right? So they, they formed are they? the Were X Factor. Th- yeah. Really? Um, the British X Factor? They, or I'm confused about their national yes, origin. Yeah. Yes. You called them mixed. The, the British X Factor. Um According to Wikipedia, in 2010, the four band members auditioned as solo candidates for the seventh series of British television music competition, The X Factor, failing to progress to the boys' category at judges' houses after a suggestion by guest judge, that chick from uh, the Pussycat Dolls. Was they that were what Wikipedia together- said? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that one, I, I ad-libbed that one. They were put together to form a five-piece band, and then... Did they win? I don't even know if they won. I really could. The care rest less. was history. Um, but <laughs> but basically, my my thoughts on the album are not that different than my thoughts on really any boy band albums from you know from when we were you know kids. It's directed towards you know tween or I guess yeah tween girls. Um, it's not necessarily for me, and it's a lot of vapid uh, songs about you know being shitty boyfriends or your she's being a shitty girlfriend you know stuff like 12 year olds are really into um i'm gonna give them what makes you beautiful is a catchy song though it is a stupid song if you listen to the lyrics what makes you beautiful is that you don't know you're beautiful that is stupid and now i'm um, gonna write a song and tell you yeah that actually stephen well, colbert, Steve, did a bit stephen colbert yeah. yeah stephen colbert did a bit i about know that. I've, I've been saying that for weeks i said that before colbert you are you are more brilliant Ask than Cobra. my office. Um, but what what actually listening to this album made me think about was how like is um, pop music is pop music only dictated by preteen girls? Because it's like if you look at um, you know, or actually just not even just preteen girls, but just women in general. Because if you look at like all the top pop stars. You have, you know, One Direction and Rihanna and Lady Gaga and Katy Perry and Chris Brown. And I feel like that's mostly a, like a market that is more heavily female. To be female. fair, the biggest Lady Gaga fan I know is you, so... <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, I understand, like, Lady Gaga... Lady Gaga is bigger than all of these people, so... That's, that's true. Let's just put that to bed right now. Um, but... Rachel, what do you think? Like, do you think that like women control the pop music industry? Is this theirs for the taking? Do they control I mean, like think, who's popular? I think that women control the world. No, but um, <laughs> no, but really, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I, I think that um, it's partially possible. I think that you know, never underestimate the the teeny boppers' ability to rush something and make it super popular. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the the Billboard Top 100 right now, and you have Taylor Swift and then Maroon Five, which is probably oh yeah, all because of women. all the guys from all my old college chums loved uh, Maroon Five. <laughs> no, it's it's all girls, and it's it often is. young girls. It's often like preteen girls who are like into this shit, and it, I think it's kind of fascinating that they like control the market on pop music and the most popular music, the MTV Music Awards, 
uh, music that's being honored. I would almost always consider the artists have a uh, more or less geared towards women. I mean, it's not, of course, it's not 100% true, but I think, the well, ma- what wouldn't musical, you say the majority? Alternatively, what musical acts would you say are directed at men? I think men are more into rock music. Uh, rock music, like, you know, the million genres of rock music there are. But if you look at, if you look at, if you think, if you name the five most popular acts in America today, and could you tell me that they are geared towards men? No, probably not. I'd say I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah, I, I've never thought about it that way, but I think you're way. right, Sam. I, I just think, it's, I mean, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's like a good or a bad thing. I just think it's, you know, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, like, and when we were, even when we were kids, you know, I, I thought about like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Who was listening to that? Girls. Who was listening to Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera? Girls. Of course, that's not. I knew, hundred, I, knew, you know, I knew plenty of boys who were listening. I will. To I will stand up and say I'm, my first no, album I'm, I ever bought was a Spice Girls album, which is girl directed. I'm. I'm not saying you know there weren't any boys, but you have to admit that it was more. It was driven by young girls, right? Is is like the pop music industry driven by girls? And well, guys who love at, irony. Look at the Beatles when they exploded. <laughs> I mean, they were. It was Beatlemania was mostly exactly. girl driven. So I think that's. That's a really yeah, good point. yeah, but the Beatles changed. I mean, what happened? What happens? What music do men listen to? I mean, I'm sure there's like tons of shitty, shitty rock and roll dubstep that guys listen to. I'm sure Nickelback. I'm sure your Lincoln Park, <laughs> your Lincoln Parks, and your Nickelback. I'm sure guys, you know, are into. Um, I was talking to Ashley about this, and she basically thought that guys generally tend to develop their musical taste when they're a little bit older. Um, and are get more into it, and then kind of get into the rock and stuff. And I think girls are more fanatical when they're younger than guys are. I cert- I certainly wasn't. I didn't really get into music at all until I was. Yeah, in I high wasn't school. really into music until high school, and then really into music until like college. And now, you know, I would say I'm more into music now than I have been at any point previously in my life. And you know, I'm post college. Uh, Rach, like, what were what were your music? habits when you were you know 13 well, 14 I, years old well well by 13 and 14 i was like a total fucking punk right so i well you were really I cool i wasn't listening to pop music when i was 13 14 i was listening to pop music when i was eight or nine and like when you're and i'm just thinking of like my first ever concert was a ricky martin concert and exactly yeah and mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and I listened to Spice Girls, and I was an InSync fan, and all that fun jazz. But um, yeah, I guess that's where I started, and then I got really into like, oh Sam, you'll appreciate this. I got really into the New Brunswick grungy, punky bullshit scene, um, which was fun. Yeah, New Brunswick. Yeah, shout out Jersey. Um, Nothing good came from. But there. yeah. <laughs> Except for Bruce he didn't fucking come from Springsteen. The New Brunswick grunge scene. <laughs> well, he came from New Jersey, yes, I know, and, and I will always. Whenever I trash Jersey, I always manage to make an exception for the boss, who is the greatest thing to come out of Jersey. But that's not really that tough a contest to win. I can uh, find other great shit to come out of New Jersey, like John Stewart. Gaslight Anthem came out of New Brunswick, and the boss loves okay, that. I love Gaslight Anthem. I don't care about Gaslight Anthem. Anthem. Well, all right, fine, whatever. We'll fight about Jersey later. I'll Ooh. C- <laughs> Um, but anyway, so like your, your musical tastes were more like 
the pop charts and the the people you liked when you were like eight or nine those were like the top artists in the world and when you look at like justin bieber and Katy perry those those people are the top in the world in terms of i feel like drawing people and that's from the power of young girls which i think is kind of interesting girl power girl power indeed and also, par- probably part of the reason why I didn't care for uh, One Direction's album uh, Up All Night. And I understand they're releasing another one, um, which I will not listen to ever. But that's unless okay, because you, you know what? I later <laughs> by Rachel, who's being cruel. Unless, unless, you know what, though? I feel like our, I think our generation is okay after dealing with NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, and all that shit. Nothing can um, phase us. You know, and you know what? Justin Bieber, too, shall pass. I mean, all these things will pass. Do you remember the fucking Jonas Brothers? No. They're, you know, <laughs> they got they're playing in some bar way. somewhere. I mean, they I mean, were always I think that's part of, the, part, of the, the, part of what makes it interesting that I guess it's driven by, by teenage girls is that, you know, they grow up and they grow out of that shit um, for the most part. Um, you have your weird moms who are into it, but they're yeah. not getting it at home. <laughs> they need they need the, apparently the guys in one direction are like they're all like 21 years old or something they're, i thought they would they're be like, mostly 19 actually there's one 20 year old and the rest of them are 19 i thought they would be like 17 years old or they were born get ready to feel old they were born in 1990 ah. <laughs> they're young but babies. they're not but they're not that young I mean, no, they're they're all old enough to vote in America if they were Americans, and they're all <laughs> too old for all of their fans, save the forty year old stay at home moms. Sam, you keep alienating um, our main demographic here. Are <laughs> the stay at home moms who love our podcast? <laughs> the eight year olds um, and the stay at home moms are both listening to this and like, hey. <laughs> Like, I was cool when you talked about pickled ovaries, but now I'm upset. <laughs> and so, something, I, something I was actually kind of curious about, about this whole, you know, pop culture dare thing. I was kind of curious, is it about something like, do you like, do you like Up All Night? Do you like One Direction? Or do you like that other band that I'm already forgetting? Is there something? No, I just find? thought you'd fucking hate them. <laughs> Oh, uh, so this was this was purely as yeah. so, uh, torture. So, Sam, you're, you're actually out of the, uh, the next pop culture dare. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what you do. I, I don't think the, the segment is set out to be just cruel to the other staff members. So Rachel took it that way. Um, <laughs> uh, well, what I kind of thought of it was, you know, it was like something that the person who's being dared wouldn't try normally. Well, yeah, that's... That, that's, that that's, actually has value. That was... See that's what. Uh, well, it, I don't know if it has value. I mean, I think. It, I mean, I think this exercise did have value because we had that lovely conversation about how like pop music is controlled by young girls, which I think is I, an interesting way to look at it. Um, but I did think it would be something that you would never ever try. Um, that is true. That is true. A, a way to like stretch, stretch your mind a little bit, Lindauer. It did, and it made me think about things. But it, you know what? It didn't make me think about the lyrics in the One Direction album, which. We're bland, but no more bland than, you know, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, you know. It's always the same. It'll always be the same since, you know, fucking New Kids on the Block. It'll still be bland and shitty and about my girlfriend not loving me or whatever the fuck it, that shit's about. Anyway, um, so I was wondering, first of all, who do I challenge next? You. Your choice, Who's, 
That, I, it could be anybody. I mean, any of us, yeah. You could challenge someone who's not on the podcast, but that would be kind of strange. Well, see, after after Rachel subjected me to such torture, I mean, it wasn't that torturous, but and also you only did to such it, torture. So how bad could it possibly have been? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, to be fair, I forgot about the other band, um, though they're they're surely not as famous as One Direction. I, you know, I wanted to pick something that wouldn't be torture, but it would also be something that maybe the person wouldn't seek out on their own otherwise, but they also wouldn't hate it. I think it would actually be kind of interesting. So I'm going to challenge Jordan, and Jordan, if you've already seen this, tell me, and I'm gonna then I'll challenge somebody okay. else because surely not all of you have seen this. I am going to challenge you to watch one inning of Ken Burns's baseball documentary. <laughs> I have not seen that, um, and I didn't even know it was divided into innings. Is this available on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Watch instantly, and it, it's divided into nine innings. Actually, last year. Um, Ken Burns released the 10th inning, which kind of picks up from 1994 to present. But I am challenging you to a, I think, particularly a significant episode in the series. I'm going to challenge you to watch the sixth inning of uh, Ken Burns's baseball. And that deals with uh, 1940 to 1950. And it talks about uh, Jackie Robinson and integration of baseball. And it talks about uh, World War II in relation to baseball. And the title of the episode is The National Pastime. I think it's probably the best episode of uh, the documentary. I suggest even for non-baseball fans to check it out. I'm a huge baseball fan, and I know Jordan is not necessarily a sports or baseball fan. But, uh, you know, it's Ken Burns. It's a, it's a great documentary. It's great. Yeah, this is a challenge I am excited to take America. up. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not going to challenge you to all, you know, I think it's like 18 hours for the original documentary, and it's 20, I think, if you include the 10th inning. Um, but I'm going to just challenge you to one inning. It is, I think, two hours. I can, I can find time um, on my schedule to watch the 6th inning. And um, for listeners, we will be talking about Challenge Accepted and my experience listening to and watching the 6th inning uh, on our October 14th-ish podcast, so roughly a month from now if you're... Playing along yeah, at home, that seems uh, is my guess. Um, so tune back in then if you want to hear me and my thoughts on Ken Burns' baseball documentary. Um, anything else we want to wrap up with the uh, One Direction and you know the Wanted slash boy bands in general, Rachel and Sam? Oh, uh, Rach, uh, I want to know like, do, do you enjoy, are you a fan of One Direction at all or the the whatever? I can't the, even the remember. Wanted? The so Wanted. The Wanted. Uh, no, I, I I'm when I when I'm at work and I have to like pound out a lot of just a lot of crap all at once, I, um, listen to, um, the Spotify billboard top 100 list and they're all, both of them are all over it and they're catchy as shit. Right. And it's kind of ridiculous. And my coworkers make fun of me for it because you can hear them blasting through my tiny little headphones. Um, but I'm not like actually a fan. I don't seek them out by any means. Do you, do you have a preference between the two? Uh, it depends. It depends. The uh, One Direction is much more poppy. Um, the funny thing about the Wanted is that they're much more explicit. So all of the really? like, <laughs> all of the really like sanitized, ridiculous, um, ridiculousness that is One Direction kind of gets amped up a little bit in the Wanted because they're just a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, all of their songs are about having sex with people, which is just hilarious. Um, wow, it's gay. So, yeah. Was The Wanted born out of a TV show also? 
I don't think so. Yeah, no, it actually it came from that uh, Angelina Jolie movie Wanted. <laughs> they saw that and they were like, "We have to be a boy band now." <laughs> that was their own. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been challenge accepted. Like I said, we'll be back to challenge accepted in about a month, um, and we'll be talking about my experience with Ken Burns' baseball documentary, uh, The Sixth Inning. So until then, this has been Challenge Accepted. And now it's, time, it's the time of the show where we announce the uh, winner of the Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. So as per usual, we've been tabulating all show long. Uh, we had some special guest tabulators in from across the pond this week, which uh, may have swayed our results a little bit. But um, it's time to announce. Anyone want to give me the drum roll that I always regret asking for? Not really. All right. We're just going to pretend Alex did it anyway. Thank you, Alex, for, uh, for your loyalty you and Chris for your honesty. <laughs> um, the winner of the Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in a Week is Adele. Woo. Yay. Congratulations, Adele. So congratulations, Adele. As always, you can come collect your small cash prize and your trophy here at the Review Name Podcast. So come on by, um, collect your, your prize and your trophy, and uh, congratulations. With that, it's time to wrap up the show. So... Any last thoughts from anybody before we say goodnight? That silence means the show no, is over. No, All right, so I have no. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.